Welcome to Redefining Active Investing, the podcast from ECP Asset Management, where we share our insights on markets, industries, and the highest quality companies we can find. In this episode, our investment team discuss our latest insights piece, which is available on our website at ecpam.com. You can also find the link to the article in the show notes below. I'm Damon Callahan, and with me is Sam Burns, partner at ECP, who recently wrote an interesting article about conquering confirmation bias. Sam, can you just start by explaining what is confirmation bias, and, and can you throw in an example to suit? Yeah, sure. So I think um, simply, it's placing more weight on evidence that confirms your thinking. So the classic example um, in investing is the share price going up and then using that as an indicator that your thesis is really playing out. But it can also work the other way. And I think if I think back over the last year, um, there's an example in our portfolio um, that comes to mind, which is Zero. So Zero is a leading cloud accounting software platform that's benefiting from the shift of small businesses moving from desktop accounting software to the cloud. And it's already the leading platform in Australia and New Zealand. And a big part of the growth thesis for Zero is that it's becoming the leading player in the UK market. But last year, the share price fell from 140 bucks down to under 70. Now, there are broader market forces at play that we all know about with interest rates going up and the growth sell-off. But we we're also seeing a real slowdown in, in the number of subscriber ads that Zero could get in the UK. And at the same time, we were getting feedback from accountants over there that some of the personnel changes that they'd made had really rubbed them up the wrong way. Um, and as well as that, um, they're one of their main competitors, Sage, was starting to get their act together. So the evidence was pointing towards Zero losing its competitive position and really challenging our thesis. But when we went into um, deeper um, conversations with those accountants, it became clear that although Zero had certainly spent some of the goodwill that they've accrued over the years, it was still the best option in the market and we were miles away from it being that bad than anyone would even consider switching away from them. And so the slowdown in growth was really just a delay in this making tax digital regulation that had been driving some of that cloud adoption. And when we compared their growth rates to their main competitors, it became very clear that Zero is still taking share in that market. So the thesis was getting challenged, the share price was falling, growth was slowing, and had we not dug deeper, uh, we could have easily sold that position. However, actually, their competitive position was still strengthening, and the strength of the business model is it was doing its job, and the recent result confirmed that to be true. So I guess the point is that on the one hand, you can have a company going up because of a regulation change that's giving it a tailwind um, and everyone wants to own it, but it, actually it's losing market share and its long-term prospects could be getting worse. Um, and in that case, you're kind of getting the wrong signal there. So you're kind of right for the wrong reason. You look like a genius, but you should have actually sold it. Or you can have a company like Zero going down due to a reg change in the short term, but it's actually still taking market share and strengthening its position. And everything's telling you to sell it or not buy more when buying is exactly what you should be doing. So Sam, what you're describing is more than just in the normal confirmation bias where investors constantly look for information that confirms their original thesis. 
What I'm hearing you describe is this behavioral phenomena where investors overweight positive information when a stock price is going up, but then also overweight negative information and how that affects their feeling about their investment thesis when their share price is going down. And that can lead to some pretty poor portfolio allocation decisions if they can't get a handle on those biases. Is that the right way to think about it? Yeah, I think that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, but I should say we we didn't really write this article to tell people about what confirmation bias is. There's a lot of great material out there on on the topic. So you've got academics like Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky who did all the really interesting original experiments that kind of brought all this stuff to life and then specific to investing, but still a bit academic is the likes of Michael Moberson. But also even a great one for people just starting out is to listen to Berkshire Hathaway AGMs or read Warren Buffett's annual letters because that really puts a lot of this into easy to understand language. But this article is more just about saying here are some ways that our process tries to mitigate behavioral bias. Because when we talk to new clients, both institutional and wholesale, I find that some of these aspects of how we manage money are a bit underappreciated. So can you just walk us through that? I mean, what are some of the processes that we have at the firm here that go towards mitigating confirmation bias in either our research or our portfolio management processes? Yeah, so so our CIO and founder, Manny Pohl, was actually an engineer by trade before he became a fund manager. So he's developed a very well-defined process um, over the past 20 or so years that's geared towards mitigating a lot of these issues. Um, so there's a number of ways that that happens. And the first is to do a lot of work up front. So we never buy a stock and then flesh out our thinking. We do all the work first. And that stops you trying to confirm the decision you've already made. Um, so that can make us slower, but we're investing for the long term, right? Um, so we we plan on owning owning these companies for more than five years. So we want to get this right. Um, it also means that we gather a lot of information from a range of sources. That helps avoid getting one piece of confirmatory evidence and moving on. You can easily talk to one ex-employee and everything's good from that perspective, but they might still own stock or have other reasons to be saying it's great when it's not really. Um, so if you combine that with more interviews and then glass door reviews and things like that, you start getting uh, a much more kind of broad, uncolored picture of what it's like inside the business. Another is just seeking out the counter thesis. It's really helpful to understand the short thesis or the sell thesis because then you can kind of figure out for yourself whether that's material or that matters, or maybe they're just it's just being looked at a different way or it's just missing the point. One other aspect that I think is a bit unique is that we use a team-based approach here. So every stock that comes into the portfolio, every team member reviews the work, pulls it apart, actively tries to poke holes in the thesis or identify risks and blind spots that the lead analyst might have missed. A key point here is that all the team members are incentivized by the alpha uh, in the portfolio, not just their own stock calls. So they're motivated to make sure that we get every call right but then also not colored by the amount of time and work that's gone into researching the idea. If you've spent a couple of months working on, a, on an idea, it becomes really hard to look at it objectively. 
So it's good to have people that haven't sunk all that time in but are still motivated to get the call right. And so you, you've unpacked a bit of our structure around the team and our research process, but can you also dive into portfolio construction? Yeah, sure. So this is also where I think there is some real magic here because a massive trap that we've all been stung by is falling in love with a stock. And how we try to mitigate that is by abstracting the portfolio construction process away from the team. So we've got a systemized approach that weights the portfolio companies based on a five-year IRR using our forecast cash flows. So there's a direct relationship between our forecast valuation and the weight that that stock gets in the portfolio. And so we're constantly recycling our capital away from expensive and towards more attractive opportunities. Um, And so this means that no matter how much I love Zero's business model, when it was up at $150, we only had a 1% position in it due to its valuation, which limited the damage in the sell-off that we saw last year, and then also allowed us to up weight in it um, at more attractive prices. Really interesting discussion, Sam. Really appreciate your time. If you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Active Investing, please don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please remember to read the disclaimer in the show notes. If you would like to learn more about ECP Asset Management and the way we think about investing, please visit our website at ecpam.com, subscribe to our blog, or follow us on LinkedIn. LinkedIn.